Hi, my name is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast of the New Testament. I'll be using as the text the King James Version, along with the Joseph Smith Translation. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll also be using quotes from general authorities of the Church, the Apostles and Prophets, and BYU professors and others, and uh, every word out of the Scriptures themselves. So if you're ready for a really detailed analysis of the New Testament, you've come to the right place. Welcome. Hi, and welcome back. This will be for 2 Timothy chapter 4. For, uh, the heading reads, A solemn charge to preach the gospel in a day of apostasy, Paul and all saints assured of exaltation. Verse 1, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, Preach the word, be insistent, or be instant, or earnest in season. Those who are out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. Elder McConkie said, All false doctrines are fables. That is, they are stories which have been imagined, fabricated, and invented as opposed to the gospel which is real and true. Apostasy consists in turning from true doctrines to fables. Spencer W. Kimball said, God made me that, that way, some say, as they rationalize and excuse themselves for their perversions. I can't help it, they add. This is blasphemy. If Is man not made in the image of God, and does he think God be, be that way? Man is responsible for his own sins. It is possible that he may rationalize and excuse himself until the groove is so deep he cannot get out without great difficulty, but this he can do. Temptations come to all people. The difference between the reprobate and the worthy person is generally that one yielded and the other resisted. If we follow the living prophet, he will not lead astray. President Wilford Woodruff said, The Lord will never permit me or any other man who stands as president of this church to lead you astray. Verse 5, But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Paul's calling and election had been made sure. He was sealed up unto eternal life. He had kept the commandments, been tried at all hazards, and the Lord had given him the, the promise, Son, thou shalt be exalted. And since no man is of or can be exalted alone. This is one of the crowning reasons why we know that Paul was married. That was by Bruce R. McConkie. Verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. No one who believes the account will doubt for a moment this assertion of Paul, which was which was made, as he made, just before he was to take his leave of this world. Though he once, according to his own word, persecuted the church of God and wasted it, yet after embracing the faith, his labors were unceasing to spread the glorious news. And like a faithful soldier, when called to give his life in the cause which he has espoused, he laid it down, as he says, with an assurance of an eternal crown. Follow the labors of this apostle from the time of his conversion to the time of his death, and you will have a fair sample of industry and patience in promulgating the gospel of Christ. Whipped, stoned, and derided the moment he escaped the hands of his persecutors, he has zealously as ever proclaimed the doctrine of the Savior. And all may know that he did not embrace the faith for the honor of his life, nor the gain of earthly goods. What then could have induced him to undergo all this toil? It was, as he said, that he might obtain that crown of righteousness from the hand of God. No one, we presume, will doubt the faithfulness of Paul to the end. No 
None will say that he did not keep the faith, that he did not fight the good fight, that he did not preach and persuade to the last. And what was he to receive? A crown of righteousness. Reflect for a moment, brethren, and inquire whether you would consider yourselves worthy for a seat at the marriage feast with Paul and others like him if you have been unfaithful. Had you not fought the good fight and kept the faith, could you expect to receive? Have you a promise of receiving a crown of righteousness from the hand of the Lord with the church of the firstborn? Here then we understand that Paul rested his hope in Christ because he had kept the faith and loved his appearing, and from his hand he had a promise of receiving a crown of righteousness. That was by Joseph Smith. Verse 9, Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved his present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. So Paul and Mark have been reconciled here of their differences. And Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus the cloak that I left at Troas with Carpus, when thou comest, bring with thee in the books, but especially the parchments. I wonder if it's getting cold in the wintertime here that he needs his cloak again. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. The Lord reward him according to his works, of whom be thou where... For he hath greatly withstood our words. At my first answer no man stood with me, but all men forsook me. I pray God that it may not be laid to their charge. Notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Salute Pris- Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onis- Onis- Onisiphorus. Erastus abode at Corinth, but Trophimus have I left at Militum sick. Do thy diligence to come before winter. Eubulus greeteth thee, and Pudens, and Linus, and Claudia, and all the brethren. The Lord Jesus Christ be with you, and grace be with you. Amen. Since this is the last epistle of uh, of Paul, I want to just read a little bit uh, more about him. In his talk in April of, 18, of 1997, President Hinckley said, I picture Paul as the old battered teacher of truth. He writes to his young friend in whom he has confidence and, and for whom he has a great love. Paul was persecuted and driven. He was hated and despised. Eventually his life was taken because he fearlessly bore witness of the Redeemer of all men. We must be prepared to do likewise. Luke concludes his record with Paul under Roman guard in the greatest city, greatest Gentile city. This was an important time for letter writing. It is thought that the books of Philemon, Colossians, Ephesians, and Hebrews were written during this two-year period. Imprisoned from about AD 61 to 63, Paul was released and later wrote his epistles to Titus and Timothy. So his ministry as far from over as the narrative ends, what we really want to know is what happened to Paul in the closing moments of his life. Tradition states that he was beheaded in Rome by the order of Nero, but but we wish we knew more. Paul's arrival in Rome brings the reader to the end of the book of Acts, but not necessarily to the end of the life of the apostle. Luke concludes, and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came un- came in unto him. Why doesn't the account continue? If Paul had lost his case and his life before the emperor, an account of his martyrdom would have been a most appropriate seal for his testimony and ministry. However, he must not have died at this time. Neither Felix nor Festus nor Agrippa deemed Paul guilty of crime, let alone worthy of death. Furthermore, Paul is rather optimistic about his own future in the so-called prison epistles written during this time from Rome. A number of other evidences hint that Paul was acquitted and traveled for some time before another imprisonment and death. Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus do not fit into the chronology of Acts and therefore must have been written later. 
From these epistles, one notes that Paul visited Ephesus, Miletus, Troas, Corinth, Nicopolis, Crete. The prison epistles show that Paul was intended, also intended to travel to Philippi and Colossae if he was acquitted. In Romans, Paul writes of a planned trip to Spain and Clement, Bishop of Rome at the end of the first century A.D., spoke of Paul traveling to the limits of the West, which would certainly refer to Spain. Tradition is substantially uniform, however, in stating that sometime in the later part of Nero's reign, Paul was executed in Rome. Behind him, he left the rich treasures of his epistles and the record of his faithful friend Luke, which portrays an example of devoted service and missionary zeal that 20 centuries of time have only burnished brighter. So anyway, that's all we'll read, and uh, I think I've read the rest of it before. Anyway, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye.